Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knutson had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed in their careers, or as my co-host Chris Knutson would say, who want to rock and roll in their civil engineering careers. In today's show, I get to talk to Todd Hay, who has 23 years experience as a civil engineer, and we're going to talk about a, a pretty interesting and important topic, working in a multidisciplinary firm and working on multidisciplinary projects. And being someone that spent 10 years in a multidisciplinary civil engineering firm, I know how important this topic is to those of you who want to succeed in that kind of an atmosphere. And really, I'm sure, even if you don't work in a multidisciplinary firm, you're probably working on multidisciplinary projects as a civil engineer. I mean, that pretty much usually goes without saying. Some of the topics that we'll talk about with Todd include cross-marketing other disciplines in your firm, communicating effectively with all these different disciplines, working on proposals together with different disciplines, and some other very interesting topics. And he also gives just some great advice to up-and-coming civil engineers in the in towards the end segment of the show. But before we dive into this interview with Todd, I want to take a minute to recognize our sponsor for this show. That's right, we do now have a sponsor for the Civil Engineering Podcast, and the sponsor's PPI, who has also sponsored our Engineering Career Coach Podcast, and we're thrilled to have them here. If you're thinking about taking the Civil FE or PE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI. They are the leader in Civil Engineering Exam Prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of our podcast. Use the promo code CIVIL at ppitopass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach, and use promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. And again, if you are taking your exams, you got to go with PPI. They're awesome. I've used them. Chris used them. I still have their books on my shelf. It's just a no-brainer, and that's why we love that they're a part of the show. And I have one request for you. If you like what you hear in the podcast, please share with a colleague, team member, or someone else in your office. We really thank you for listening and taking your time to join us. And we'd love to share the knowledge with as many civil engineers as we can possibly reach. All right, with that, let's jump into our civil engineering conversation with Todd Hay. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for this week's civil engineering conversation where we typically talk to a civil engineering professional who has had success in their field or they're striving towards a specific goal or maybe even need some advice or encouragement. Today's guest is Todd Hay from Pannoni Associates, who's had over 23 years in his career working in multidisciplinary firms. And that's exactly what our topic's going to be today, how to work effectively uh, within a multidisciplinary uh, civil engineering firm. Let me give you a quick intro of Todd and then we'll, we'll bring him in here. Todd has been working with multidiscipline engineering projects during his nearly 23-year career as a civil engineer, project manager, and principal. His work has included local and county transportation, utilities, traffic, and recreation projects, K-12, colleges, universities, rooftop, ground-mount solar projects, all within New Jersey, and also a host of private public design and design build projects throughout the Northeast. His work experience has included client contact and coordination, in-house review of site plan and subdivision projects, 
preparation, coordination of site plans and technical specs for bidding purposes. Also, Todd's been involved in a high-profile design-build project, such as the design-build of the U.S. Military Academy Preparatory School at West Point, New York, and the design and construction of limited ports of entry on the Canadian and Mexican border. Todd's also been involved in litigation and court matters, serving as a design and construction expert witness representing construction contractors in New Jersey State Transportation Authorities. Todd, thanks for taking some time out to speak with me today. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. We uh, we finally got this figured out. We've <laughs> Todd and I tried this a few times with the Skype, but we got it down now. A couple engineers, we we, we figured it out, and we're gonna we're gonna jump in here. And I think that this is a really important topic. As a civil engineer myself, I worked for a multidisciplinary firm, and it's not always an easy thing because you know you're focused on your aspect of the project. And for me, it was land development, and often I had to talk with the geotech department. I had to talk with maybe they had they were doing some archaeological research, and it just became difficult, honestly, especially as a younger civil engineer. So Todd, let's just jump in here. And you've been doing this for a while in multidisciplinary firms. What's some advice that you can give for engineers that have kind of this challenge? Well, I I think the biggest advice that I could give to any young engineer coming in is obviously communication. Communication with essentially, you know, their primary discipline that they have at first and getting an understanding of how all the disciplines work. Yeah, we we all as engineers, we have focus in the things that we do, the problems that we're trying to solve within our particular discipline. But understanding the key roles of the other disciplines is crucial and critical to an engineer as he grows in his profession and he wants to do more, whether it be on the technical track or the project management track, within a particular project or within a particular firm. There are many firms out there that offer multidiscipline, basically the multidiscipline disciplines, so to speak. And what you have is you have some firms that, you know, don't offer it. But with the firms that do and and don't, it's critical that an engineer understands where their place is and how they can effectively communicate with the other disciplines. Oh, that's great. I think that's huge. I, I know for me as a civil engineer, for me, I was a little bit lucky because when I started my career, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do yet. So I did a little bit of geotech. I did some some structural stuff for some bridges and eventually ended up doing land development. But the nice thing about that path is that, like you're saying, Todd, is I had a pretty good handle on the different things that the other disciplines did. So I kind of knew when I was getting in too deep on my own, I need to contact someone or need to reach out to someone. So I, I do think that's important. And, and I would recommend for you out there listening is that if you're not that comfortable with that, let your company know and also talk to other people in that field. I mean, reach out to someone who's a geotechnical engineer or a transportation engineer or a bridge engineer or a land development engineer if you're not, and just ask them what they do. Ask them what part of the projects they work on. And another recommendation that I can make overall too on this same exact issue is your company, I know my company did a good job of this, was maybe recommend that your company sends people around to different offices to do maybe like a brown bag lunch. Like maybe someone from the geotech department can do something on geotech and it just helps people. And I don't know what you think about that, Todd, but I think it's a good thing to do to try to educate all the engineers in the firm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there are various tools that both small firms and large firms now have to basically educate. And again, you know, it comes with communication first. 
then it's the education experience. And the education experience doesn't start with just the discipline you may be working on. It starts with really you get engaging and being engaged. You know, when you communicate, you have to engage. But if you engage some of the educational webinars that are out there, like, for instance, that ASCE offers, that uh, companies and basic organizations like uh, ACEC, American Council on Engineering Companies, offers, you want to be able to understand what their piece is and how it fits into a small or even large multidiscipline project. And then you get a better appreciation. And as you start to see that, you see where their place is and maybe something you work on. For instance, years ago, I had worked on telecommunication projects, uh, done literally thousands of them in the New York area. And I was a civil engineer, and I started off understanding, okay, how the ground, let's say, is prepared, how a, let's say, a, a structure is placed, how the grading has to be done, how the layout is done, getting permits, soil erosion, et cetera, et cetera. The two things I actually learned was I got a better appreciation for the structural engineer at the structural engineer and how he puts in a foundation for a building. The electrical engineer, how the building, the telecommunications structure is powered, how it's hardwired back into our hardwire system that we have. And then also looking at the environmental issues. There may be issues in the ground as the ground is being prepared that I may have to consider both from a soil and groundwater uh, standpoint and that whether or not that area needs to be remediated for any type of reason. So you get a better appreciation when you get into a multidiscipline firm. And if you have an interest in engineering, you, you just get a better appreciation of the various disciplines, how they work together, how everybody communicates. Yeah. And that, I think what you're saying is critically important because if you think about it as a civil engineer, if, you, if you're listening and you're involved in multidisciplinary projects, the difference between you not knowing that you need to get in touch with like a structural or geotechnical engineer obviously could be a pretty bad thing. I mean, if it's something that you're trying to do and you're not equipped to do it or you're trying to pass it off to someone else in your department that isn't technically competent to do it, it could cause a major problem. So part of it is understanding when you need to get help. And listen, it's not always easy because you may not even know that you need to get help. And that's kind of some of the stuff that Todd just talked about, whether it's webinars or training within the company that can help you with that. Todd, give us an example, let's just say that you're working on a project, you're doing the civil engineering, maybe the land development stuff, the planning, and you have to get a survey, you might have to get some geotech work. These are all, let's just say that these are services offered within your company. What are some of the steps? How does that process look as far as like some of the next steps you do when you know you need to get in touch with these people? Well, you need to get in touch with those people. I mean, first of all, you, you look at the proposal format. Obviously, as a consulting engineer, we base all of our work off of an actual proposal. The proposal is the plan. It's the blueprint of what needs to be done. There are some services that are excluded. There are some services that are included. If we're doing it all in the one wing and everything's included, whether it's included or excluded, we, we want to make sure we understand what the process is and what the, the timeline is. If I'm doing a site plan, the first thing I obviously need is I need to mobilize my surveyor. I need to understand the time commitment that he's going to have, let's say, to do either a boundary survey or a topographic survey, or maybe let's say an alt to ACS uh, um, uh, survey for, let's say, financial purposes. And I need to understand what the timeline is and how fast that can get done. In the meantime, I, and, and as a civil engineer, there, I want to be able to identify with the surveyor what are the things that I may need in that survey that go beyond just doing, let's say, your traditional boundary topo all to ACSM survey? There may be requirements that are local. There may be requirements that are county, statewide, even federal, that might be required to go ahead and define the limits of the survey. 
The other thing as an engineer also with the geotech is I may want to understand what type of swills I'm going to deal with, what type of uh, soil characterization I'm going to be witnessing. Are the soils rocky? Are they silty? Are they sandy? The other thing is, is looking at and critical with an engineer is if I'm a site engineer, I'm identifying the stormwater up front. What type of stormwater system am I going to use? Do I need to go ahead and look at, for instance, recharge into the soil with the stormwater? Do I need to go ahead and consider what the infiltration rates are? Work with the geotechnical engineer to go ahead and look at you know, what type of infiltration rates I'll be dealing with and then be able to go ahead and put those into context with the local or the state or the county permitting so that I'm doing everything up front and setting myself up for success and the timelines that I need to bear in mind with doing the civil engineering. Got it. And that's a, that's an excellent point. That's something that I remember vividly when I was doing this type of work is that that proposal document as a civil engineer, as a consulting engineer, that's that proposals like your guide that you live by. And if you get a project and you're going to get survey involved, geotech involved, the other disciplines involved on the projects that I worked on, just like Todd's saying, we would take the portion of the proposal that was for survey, we would give them their scope, give them their budget, give them their timeline. And obviously you got to communicate, like Todd said before, back and forth with them, make sure that they can finish in that time, that the budget's going to work for them. And a lot of times this is done be even before the proposal because they'll give you the, the numbers and they'll give you the kind of their scope. But it's important that you use a document like that as your base so that you have something to work off of and you have something to measure off of. So that's really helpful. A couple of points that I'll maybe offer up here and ask Todd for some some feedback on just from my experience in, in working on multidisciplinary civil projects is when you work with another department, I think it's important to know who you have to talk to in that department, especially as a civil engineer, whether you're younger or experienced. I think there's a point to having these organizational structures. So if you need help from the geotech department, don't go to the geotech technical designer necessarily. You got to go to the person in charge of the department the person that's in charge of scheduling their workflow, because that's one way to cause problems between the different departments if there isn't a proper workflow or process that's followed. Any thoughts on that, Todd? Usually when you go ahead and you speak to another discipline, yeah, you, you really want to start with the person that's actually managing the work. There's always an assigned lead or project manager for each of the disciplines, and you want to be able to understand what the timelines are is there scope lining up with the proposal and is it lining up with what the requirements are of your, let's say, for instance, if you are a civil engineer, what the civil engineering is that you need to accomplish? You want to be able to make sure you're dealing with timelines, you're dealing with scope, you're not having scope creep. And if you are having scope creep, maybe pushed by the actual uh, client, you want to be able to identify that quickly and resolve that with the client, whether it be additional services fees or for clarifications. You want to be able to do that up front. It's, it's critical to do that so that the workflow remains constant. You're meeting the client schedule. Uh, let's face it, uh, if the money is time and time is money. And if you're not meeting the client's schedule, he's losing money. If you're not identifying your, your issues up front with respect to additional services and you're putting that on the back end, well, you're not doing any justice to your client. Your client may be willing to pay you, but the, you need to be able to identify things that you may have not had in your original scope plan with your proposal. Those things happen in this industry. But the, what's really important is, again, is yes, communicating with the lead, making sure that the lead has a firm understanding of what your time limits are and making sure that they're adhering to their time limits. Excellent. Yeah. And I think the reason I say this for those for those of you listening is because this is a tricky one because we'll, I'll give you an example. I'm working as a design engineer. Again, I'm using land development because that's my background. That's where Todd works. 
So if I'm doing a land development project, I reach out to the geotech, I go to the right person at the top of the, the chain that's doing the workflow management, I give him the project, he funnels it down to someone else in the department. I end up working with that the technical designer back and forth. We get along well, we become friendly. And then the next project I get, I'm thinking, you know what, it's a lot easier for me to just give it back to the technical designer. It's going to get done quicker, but really that's a short-term solution. And long-term, it's going to cause you problems because you're going to mess up the workflow. You're going to upset the, the manager of that department. And your manager is probably going to hear about it. So think long-term and, and go through the right processes. And also, I think like Todd said, when you have that initial conversation, you need to let this other department know that if they're going to go outside of this scope in any way, shape, or form, they've got to let you know about it as the client contacts. So you can communicate it to the client before they start doing extra work and then they send the bill and then all of a sudden, you know, you got a problem. The company's got to eat some of that, that money. So that, I think that's important. The other point that I'll mention is cross-market the other departments and let the other departments know about that. I know that that was always something that we did pretty well at the company I worked for. Basically, where I might say to the, the geotech department, hey, listen, we got a, we're going on a couple, going to meet with a couple of prospective clients, would love a couple of your brochures, or would love to know if you did any work in this county because we want to pitch you guys to them. And I think it's obviously, it's, it's good on a business level fundamentally, but I think it also promotes good feelings between the departments because they know that you're trying to get them work and you're trying to help them. And and a lot of times they may reciprocate that. So Todd, any thoughts? I think that cross-marketing, you know, that's another thing about being in a consulting firm. You know, one of the things that you have to consider is, is that you're an owner. I mean, whether you're in a private company, whether you're in a company that, let's say, for instance, like Pannoni Associates, where we are an employee stock-owned company, we all have to take ownership of what we do, but we also have to take ownership of and complement the other disciplines that do the work with us. And getting out and being a young engineer and starting out in this industry, it's extremely important to understand is that you know, you're representing your company. And when you're representing your company, you're not just representing the work that you do. You're representing all the work that that firm does. So having some corporate literature, for instance, the statement of qualifications, having uh, some other information, for instance, technology briefs that may decide and discuss what other services that you offer beyond what you may be and what your capabilities may be. It's critical, again, that you open up the communication when you're going to, let's say, a seminar, when you're going to an event, you have that information handy, and you're able to maybe basically make some business by giving up that information and talking about your firm, talking about what, what the culture is like, talking about the things that you do, talking about what, what separates you from the others. I mean, one of the things that I try to do with my staff in my office of nearly 30 people is try to make sure that we profess attentiveness. Attentiveness is extremely important. And that's attentiveness even to marketing, making sure that when we're talking to people, hey, we're asking, when's the next job? What is going to come up? Is there something I could do to help you? What else can I do to help you? Return phone calls in 24 hours, Anthony, extremely important. It doesn't matter if it's actually work that we're doing. We have to get back to a client or we're marketing. We want to be able to engage them, engaging, communicating, and getting the right people to the table so that everybody is able to go ahead and sell their service. And that's what really crossed marketing is about. All right. And the, the last point that I have on this topic, and then I want to just ask Todd a few more questions about himself. And again, it's kind of similar to what we just talked about, but I think it's important to, if you work in a multidisciplinary firm, that you always have to understand that you have to see this as a huge opportunity and you got to leverage that advantage because you basically have an advantage over a lot of the companies that don't have those other services because you can be more of a one-stop shop for your client. And I think that a lot of engineers sometimes think like, man, now I got you know more stuff I got to manage and I got to deal with. But at the end of the day, you actually have a big advantage over others 
I mean, that's my take on it, Todd. Do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's really important. If you're in a small firm, like a, a firm that does not have multi-disciplines like Pannoni, one of the things I think that you could consider early is, is to engage teaming partners. Partners, for instance, if you're a land development engineer, you want to have a surveyor on staff. You want to have a geotech. These could be subs. They could be small organizations. They could be large organizations. But it's critical to establish good personal relationships with folks up early so you can depend on these folks when you go for a project. So when you have a teaming arrangement, having a teaming arrangement is very critical. When you're in a small company or a large company, even a large company like Pannoni, we have teaming arrangements. We have to because we don't offer, for instance, architectural preservation or historic preservation. We have partners in order to do that. We may need a contractor to do a drilling assignment. We engage a number of drillers. So we always have a repository of people there that we could rely on. And we may not go ahead and, let's say, price them out. It might be you may need to be price conscious. You may need to go at the lowest price. But if you're worried about quality and you're worried about someone that has especially, let's say, in a drilling job, or let's say on a survey project, they may be in a specific region, you can engage these particular people to help you out with those projects. So overall, it's critical an engineer has a repository of folks that they can rely on for subconsultants. Let me just recap the points that we talked about on multidisciplinary firms, and then I'll, I'll close off the show here by just asking Todd a few more questions. So we talked about really five points as I see it here. Communication, understand how the different disciplines work so that you can communicate with them Secondly, live by your proposal. It's got the scope. It's got the budgets. You can use that as you work with these other disciplines. Number three, know who to talk to in the discipline. Make sure you're assigning work to the department manager, the person who's in charge of the workflow. Number four, cross-market other departments and kind of you know keep in touch with them on that level so that you can cross-market each other. And then number five, seeing this as an opportunity, having these other disciplines and leveraging the opportunity. And if you don't have those disciplines, as a smaller firm, Todd mentioned, try to build up kind of a stable of these sub-consultants that you can go to when the time arrives. With that, let me jump into the next segment here to talk a little bit about routines with Todd. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, so this is a kind of a newer segment we're adding on, or at least formalizing, called the CE Routines and Rituals segment. And just a couple of last questions for you, Todd. Are there any specific rituals you practice every day? For example, do you have something you do every morning or lunch? Do you do things consistently on a daily basis that help you to be kind of productive as a civil engineer? Absolutely. The first thing I'd look at is my schedule and I plan out what my schedule is and I adjust my schedule for the oncoming days. Typically, a day in advance, I'll know exactly what I'm set up to do and I'll know what I'm going to, issues I'm going to be tackling. Every day, I find time to sit down with my staff to go over the needs that they may have with my technical issues or there may be financial issues that they need to look at with a particular project. And then, of course, there's also these the marketing. So, yeah, the one ritual I always look at is, is what can I do to market? What can I do to assist on the technical end? And then what can I do to uh, engage clients and speak to them over the phone with the marketing as well as doing the collections of the money, billing, those types of things? That's what I'm looking to do each and every day. Is there maybe one book that you might recommend to engineers regularly or a book that you've just found to be helpful in your professional or personal development? You know something? There's a lot of interesting references are out there. I mean, I, I've had a number of books that I've, I've been able to look at over the years, but the one book that I always rely on that I've tried on for years is the Civil Engineering Reference Manual by Michael Lindenberg. I mean, that is a manual 
manual that I have used constantly to refer to whenever I need to go ahead and make sure from a technical standpoint, I know what I need to do in order to, you know, bring a solution to a problem to a client. Because let's face it, as engineers, we're here to solve problems, we're here to solve issues, and we're here to do that in a timely manner as a consulting engineer. We need to do that because our clients, they need answers yesterday, and we have to react like that when we are engaged with them. Awesome. And I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I sl- I think I slept with that book for six months when I was studying for the PE exam. <laughs> I really had it marked up. And uh, and Michael Lindeberg's the the CEO of PPI. And PPI is a great exam review prep company that has sponsored our other podcast. So great tip on that one. And, and we'll link to the, the that manual in the show notes. And then one final question for you, Todd, which we kind of call the civil engineering career elevator advice. So basically, if you got into an elevator with a civil engineer and you had about 30 seconds with him or her and had to give them quick career advice in a short period of time, what would it be? The big advice I would tell them is, is to listen, to engage and to be open to all different types of ideas that, that, you know, a lot of us engineers were not social creatures, but to listen, to be open and engage, that's what is the real key to success with an engineer is, is to have those three, three things uh, with them every day. Todd, thanks again for taking some time out today. Really appreciate it. And remember, if you want to find this episode, you can go to engineeringcareercoach.com and, and just go in the search bar and type Todd Hay. Or you can go to civilengineeringpodcast.com and just scroll down and look for the episode on multidisciplinary firms. Before we end this episode, you heard Todd mention the book by Michael Lindenberg. Well, Michael Lindenberg is actually the CEO of PPI, our sponsor for today's episode, and a new sponsor here on this podcast. Our listeners often ask us what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE or PE exam. Hands down, we recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had a chance to demo their civil FE and PE review courses. It's why I feel so confident in recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your civil engineering career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of our podcast. Use promo code CIVIL at ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach and use promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. I can't recommend PPI enough. I did go through their course online. So easy to use. You'll be so happy that you've engaged with their products. They're really going to help you succeed. And until next week, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.